0: Hello everybody, what's doing and what's happening? Welcome, welcome to episode 5 of the True Crime Banter Podcast. The podcast aimed to bring in you your dose of murder relaxation. And yeah, I know, I get it, it's, it's been a while. Uh, we, since the last episode, there's been, you know, Christmas. There's been New Year's. There's been, uh, in fact, I think tomorrow the time of this release will be Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So yeah, I get it. I know. It's been a while. But uh hey, life happens. You know, life... What, what's the saying? I don't, I don't remember what the saying is. Anyways, yeah, welcome you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today we're going to be going over the disappearance of Lauren Giddings. And uh you know, I, I like to tell you guys that, that we bring you your dose of murder relaxation on this podcast, but today this story uh, I don't know if it's gonna be that relaxing for you guys why well you just have to wait and see to find out but before we do uh, I want to get into a little bit of banta and I want to talk to you guys real quick about Dexter I don't know how many of you watch the show Dexter that the the original series on Showtime. God, what, eight years ago was the original finale of it? And I'll be honest, I actually didn't get into this show for, I don't know, four or five years after the finale aired. And I had just finished the original series about a year and a half ago. And wow, that series finale was terrible. Just simply terrible. But the reason I'm, uh, I'm talking about Dexter is because... For those of you who know or follow us on the True Crime Banter Instagram, uh there was a new short limited time series, Dexter New Blood, where Michael C. Hall and and a lot of the original, I guess not a lot of the original casting crew, but Dexter came back. He returned for 10 episodes and just last weekend was the the finale finale of that. And I got to tell you, think God, they they did this new series, because I really I really enjoyed that finale. It really brought a good closing ending to, I guess, the entire story arc of Dexter from season 1 all the way to, well, New Blood. I don't know, season 10, I think it would be. Anyways, yeah, if you guys haven't watched it, and you are true crime fans, I'm sure a lot of you, here's the thing, you gotta be okay with Blood, because they do, It is it is a gory show, but... Um, not like zombies, more like slow, slow, throat slashings, you know, things like that. Just good old-fashioned throat slashings. Anyways, uh, that is today's bit of banter. Let's go ahead and get into, again, today's story of the disappearance of Lauren Giddings. So this story, it takes place back in June of 2011. Uh, Lauren Giddings, she's a 27-year-old uh, law school graduate at Mercer University of Law in Macon, Georgia, which is actually where she was living at the time of her disappearance. Now, Lauren, she was actually preparing to take the, the bar exam in Georgia, and she had actually told her family and her friends, hey, I'm going to be kind of put myself in a like a self-lockdown you know really cracking down on the studies because everybody knows a bar exam is no joke just ask kim kardashian so lauren's friends and and you know mainly her best friends they they said all right you can you know get your studies in just don't cut me out of your life for good when you become a big time lawyer um that's not what they said. No, they said, all right, you know, you get your get your studies in, and we'll talk to you when we talk to you. But after about four days of getting no reply, uh, one of Lauren's best friends began to grow concerned. So she reached out to other friends and family members of Lauren's and, you know, kind of wondering, hey, has anybody heard from Lauren at all recently? They had not. Concern for Lauren's safety had... Grown after her sister who had access to all of her emails and social media logins, she saw that it's been like four days since the last time Lauren sent out an email or really contacted anybody at all. Immediately, a, a group of friends who lived in the same apartment as, uh, or I guess apartment complex as Lauren, they decided to use a hidden house key that she had to enter Lauren's apartment and, you know, make sure she wasn't in any trouble. And what they found was nothing. They walked into this apartment, and and nothing really seems wrong or crazy. Everything looks as if it's, I guess, a a law school graduate preparing for the the bar. You know, books all over the place. Um, I'm sure dirty dishes. But then again, you're a lawyer, so I don't know if you're super type A or not. Whatever, I digress. Um, No, everything seemed fine in her apartment except for, for one thing. And that was at her keys phone, wallet, and purse were all still there. Just no Lauren. Immediately, the friends, they get a hold of the police, who then begin their own search into Lauren's disappearance. They they conduct interviews with each of Lauren's friends that were there in that apartment during that initial entrance. So one of the things everybody says about Lauren is that she was overwhelmingly kind and accepting. It didn't matter where you were from or what you did for a living, if, if you were kind to Lauren, she was kind to you. One of the beneficiaries of that kindness from Lauren was a friend named Stephen McDaniel. Stephen McDaniel, he was a neighbor and also a fellow law graduate of Lauren's. So he was one of the handful of friends that made that initial search into Lauren's apartment. Many people describe Stephen as sort of, I guess, gross or non-hygienic type of guy with this afroed out curly hair that looks like it was, you know, not washed in a decade. Uh, But he was also smart, obviously, you know, having graduated from law school. And similarly to Lauren, all he had left to pass was the bar exam. Stephen describes Lauren as all of her friends had described her, sweet, loving, and he even goes as far to describe her beauty both inside and out. In the past, Stephen had actually courted Lauren in a way, and I'm not sure if courted is the correct word, uh, but basically he asked her out on her date, and and Lauren, being in a comfortable yet long-distance relationship already, she kindly declined the offer, and for everyone who knew about this gesture, that was pretty much that. Uh, aside from the distinct odor and certainly his appearance, uh, there was one thing that really set Stephen apart from the rest of Lauren's friends. And that's that when police investigators requested that they have access to everyone's apartment that was involved in that initial search, Stephen was the only friend that declined to let them in. Which, to me, you know, thats it's kind of a slippery slope, as I... Uh, uh, alliterate for you guys, uh, it's similar to a lie detector test where, you know, just because you're you you you're kind or, or you're cooperating and you let investigators come, I guess, search your apartment, uh, same way you, you let people, I guess, run a lie detector test on you, uh, it doesn't really clear you of any suspicion. It It doesn't really do anything for you just because you decide to let people in and investigate your apartment. But what it could do is, uh, you know, make you look even more guilty if they do find something that makes them question, hey, what is this about? So, I mean, I can't, I can't fault Stephen uh, for, for not, you know, letting investigators into his apartment initially. The only weird thing, though, is that Stephen claimed that his reasons for not allowing these investigators to search his apartment was that he had guns and weapons that he wanted to protect. I guess possibly thinking that they might confiscate them as, as, a, as evidence, evidence uh, should, should the police see them. Because of this refusal to cooperate, uh, police immediately became suspicious of Stephen. And they brought him in for an initial questioning, you know, one that Stephen could choose to end whenever he wanted to. I won't go into too much detail regarding this initial questioning, uh, but one detail I do want to include is that for some reason, uh, Stephen chose to disclose to the police that he was a virgin, you know, and maybe thinking that it would get the police off of his back if they knew he he was a virgin, which this is starting to sound like uh, the the premise of some scary movie, which... Reminds me, the new Scream movie is out. I got to go watch that soon. Anyways, back to the story. So after this meeting with the police, uh, Stephen proceeded to step outside the police department and, and take advantage of this media spotlight that was now being shown down on this small group of friends. You see, the the moment that word of Lauren's disappearance got out, there was immediate not immediate there was immediately uh local news crews and media that just surrounded this story which to me I think that's something that should probably happen more often you know there's too many stories again in my own opinion which is my podcast so I'm right all the time. But there's too many stories out there that go unheard just because they don't have this this political agenda that can be properly pushed behind it. So if there's no nothing that that real news outlets can or you know, the the national media can get out of of telling a story, then they're going to just push it to the side and and ignore it. While these other stories get pushed to the forefront because hey, politicians like to take advantage of the public. Anyways, Wow, uh, I am digressing a lot this episode. Let's get back to the story again. So Stephen, now with news crews outside his apartment complex, seemingly 24-7, freshly off his first meeting with the police, he decided to take a minute and express his concern for his friend's well-being. He describes the situation to a local news reporter, how nobody had heard from her for days, or how the lock to her apartment wasn't jammed or broken when they first entered her place how everything was seemingly normal, except for their friend that was missing. But that's when the news reporter dropped this bomb on Stephen mid-interview. And we went over. One of her friends had a key. We went inside and tried to see if there was anything amiss, but I mean, she had a door jam that was sitting right by it, so there was no sign that anyone broke in. I mean, the door was locked when everyone got here. I mean, we, we just don't know where she is. I mean. What about um, in the, like, the parking lot area? I know they've been doing a lot of, I think that's where they have recovered the body, or whatever they recovered from there. Howdy. Had you heard, had you seen anything there? Had you seen anything there? I, I mean, we don't know if this is the same person. You know what I mean? Like, they still got a body there earlier. We don't know if it's the same person or not. So that's why we're trying to ask people if they know who lived there. So you can you can sort of get the gist of how Stephen was talking throughout the interview. You know, very open, very willing to say whatever was needed to help get the word out about his missing friend. But the moment the interviewer brings up a body found in a dumpster nearby, he looks as if he'd seen a ghost. Uh, you know, it, it's like one of those, I'm going to describe it to you, this look on his face. You guys can, can find this if you Google Stephen McDaniel interviews on YouTube. I guess search it on YouTube. Uh, but I'm going to desc- describe the look on his face uh, when she says a body was found. And, and it's one of those, it's like a slow motion scene in a movie where somebody realizes they just got shot. You know, so they, they look down They're holding their their stomach, and they're looking at the bullet wound. And then they slowly look up at the person who shot them. And just without saying a word, they drop to the ground, and they're impending death. Except in this instance, uh, Stephen hadn't been shot. No, but what did happen is that Stephen realized the severed torso of his missing friend was found. And yes, I said severed. While Stephen was busy being interviewed by both the police and the local news, investigators had found the torso of a woman in a nearby garbage, and with DNA samples to match, they had confirmed it was the body of Lauren Giddings. So, the police, they see this interview of Stephen McDaniel on, on local news. They see his, his crazy, uh, you know, ghost-like reaction when she says, hey, what are your thoughts on the body being found? So that's like red flag number two yeah, of what's going on with this dude. His, his reaction to her saying a body has been found is something, uh, I guess, not of normal reactions or nature. So somehow, somehow the police convinced Stephen to let them search his apartment. And, and in his apartment, one of the things they find is condoms, right, So earlier when I said in that initial questioning that Steven said, "You know, hey, I'm a virgin, so maybe you guys should stop looking at me." Um, well, it's starting to bite him in the in the booty hole because Stephen, if you're a virgin, why do you have condoms in your apartment?" and that's what the police did ask him in, and I don't know <laughs> I don't know how. They got this information out of Steven, but he admits that they are not his condoms and that he took them from nearby apartments, a.k.a. he's he's admitting to burglary. Yes, it is just, um, I don't know what you you know, a few bucks worth of condoms, I guess, that he's stealing, but he's admitted that he's broken into other apartments and stolen condoms and I'm sure other things from them. So at this point, police are like, wait, you, you you broke in and you stole things from another apartment nearby, like multiple apartments? They're like, jackpot, this dude, we can now officially arrest him on a burglary charge. And, and now they can take advantage of, of this time that they get with Steven because guess what? He can't, he can't lead the police department now or the, the station because Motherfucker, you are under arrest. Don't know why I said it like that. Uh, Anyways, yeah, so they they take advantage of that extra time they have with him. And they get a little more details about his friendship with Lauren. And that's when, you know, Stephen, again, almost as if he'd seen a ghost, uh, is just dead silent now during these interrogations. Interviews, interrogations, uh, you know, you get those words mixed up. Anyways, he, he's dead silent during these interrogations, basically answering with yes, no, or I don't know. It was crazy. I was talking to people that he works with and everything. They talk about how he's always expresses himself. Um, but he don't know. He's very talkative. Didn't they say you're so talkative, buddy, that you're always so friendly. You stop in and say hello, and you talk why is it that you're acting so short with us tonight? If you if you have all this character and personality about you, why is it that everything that we get from you is yes no or I don't know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so so even the investigators or interrogators, whatever you want to call them, that during this uh interrogation, he cracks up because he's he's asking, Steven, you've been so open with all these these media outlets about about your friend lauren why why aren't you talking to us now? You know you're just giving us yes, no, or I don't know and and Stephen just says, "I don't know and and that's pretty much it so during during these extra interrogations that that the police get with stephen the the investigators at the crime scene are now going through Steven's apartment and the rest of the apartment complex with the newfound information and and they discover. A few things. They they find a hacksaw in the the maintenance or the custodial closet of the apartment complex, and on that hacksaw is Lauren's blood. And then inside Stephen's apartment, what do they find? Well, they find the underwear of Lauren along with a thumb drive that they presume is is stolen from Lauren's apartment. But I think it might be. Uh, well, it probably it probably is stolen something that Stephen uh, knew of because on that thumb drive was just hundreds of photos of just Lauren. so they, they, they didn't they then do uh, a search of Steven's um, I guess search records and they, they find out he was looking for or googling things like like how long after strangling do people wake up and and how to escape from prison almost like a, a second plan in case. You know, his first plan fell through, which seems like it's going to. Uh, and, And here's the thing, though, and maybe the most damning evidence of all. They found a deleted home video that Stephen took looking into Lauren's apartment from outside her window, dated the night of her disappearance. So police then, they also discover that Stephen had... Not only a master key to all of the apartment building doors, uh, but he also for some reason had a spare key of specifically Lauren's house key. So I don't know how long or or exactly um, what Steven was doing with everyone else's apartments and if Lauren was just happenstance, the person that he uh, liked and decided to choose. But yeah, uh, this guy was a fucking creep. So it took nearly a year, finally, but with all the evidence piling up against Stephen McDaniel, he was finally charged with the murder of Lauren Giddings. So you might think, you know, good, give him the death penalty. But here's the thing. So, one of Lauren's main goals as a future lawyer was to help people avoid being wrongly given the death penalty. She thought that the death penalty was too harsh for some of the crimes that people were being charged for. So, Stephen, lucky for him, was once again a beneficiary of Lauren's own kindness. As her family said, they did not want prosecutors to push for the death sentence. But... All Stephen had to do to avoid that was give a detailed explanation of, well, what happened to Lauren and where are her missing remains. So, Stephen did exactly that. He explained that he broke in to Lauren's apartment while she was home, uh, strangled her to death on her bed, and then he dragged her into her own bathtub and left her there overnight. Uh, He then came back later with a hacksaw that was the one found in the custodial closet and cut her up to basically get rid of the evidence um he explained that the rest of her body was in dumpsters spread out across the city and unfortunately to this day those have not been found uh but thank goodness he has been caught and here's the here's here's the fucking crazy thing about this story so so two things two things one one of the things that uh, Lauren's family and friends uh, have said in the past is that Lauren felt like she was being watched. You know she felt like things were like someone had been in her apartment when she wasn't there, but she couldn't quite pinpoint why she felt that way. Like everything was was right and correct, at least to her own knowledge. but maybe subconsciously she knew that things had been moved or shuffled through or gone through, or that, you know some undergarments of hers were missing that's crazy thing number one and that's that's creepy because i know everybody has had that feeling where you feel like you're just being watched you know you're home alone or or you're you're out walking i don't know in a park at night for some reason and you just feel like there's a a weirdo watching you and so you kind of look around nobody's there You know, Or or maybe when you're at home, you're like, I'm going to go upstairs, and you shut the light off and run upstairs, and and you just hope that the person that was downstairs watching you just stays down in the darkness. So that's creepy thing number one, because obviously Lauren's uh, subconscious was right, and somebody was fucking around with her. But then two, this is probably the scariest thing of all, and this is where, um, I don't know if you want to call it Divine intervention—I don't know if that's even the right term for it—or just fate. So basically, I told you guys at the beginning that uh, Lauren's friends had been a few days that they hadn't heard from her, and they knew that she was going to be, uh, you know, cramming the books, studying for the bar. But it took one of her friends to really grow concerned to to launch this investigation into where Lauren's at, you know, making sure that she's safe or okay. Um, but the thing is. So they found they found Lauren's torso in the garbage in the in, in a parking lot nearby. Right, that garbage was had was supposed to have been picked up by the time that they actually found uh, they discovered it. Yeah, you know, they 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 smelt I guess the the stench of of death eroding from it, and that's what what launched that investigation into that garbage can. But that garbage can was supposed to have been empty if not for the fact that the garbage truck that day was just running behind, running late. And to think that that this sick SOB could be off scotch-free and, and, and living, living his life as probably some wannabe, you know, cool lawyer somewhere, uh, he almost got away with it. Which is something that uh, friends of Stevens in the past described that he would do he said yeah i guess it was almost a nightly discussion how he could easily get away with murder if he really wanted to or discussing the perfect way to get away with murder so you know that's not super weird being that there's a full tv show called how to get away with murder but uh when you're talking about that all the time and then one of your friends shows up murdered that's where things get a little sketchy anyways that is the story of the unfortunate death of lauren giddings i hope you guys enjoyed it um you know I, it's one of those things where you just wish i don't know you you wish you could have done more not me personally because i didn't know her but uh, I, I can i can empathize with the family and friends of lauren who felt like hey if we you know what if we had just been a little more vigilant and trying to get a hold of Lauren when, uh, she had first disappeared, I suppose. I don't know. It's, it's got one of those not happy ending stories because unfortunately she's still gone, but I do hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I'm kind of rambling on here because, well, the podcast is over and what are you guys still, still doing here? But thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, uh, hit that like or that share button if you're watching on YouTube and you want to stay up to date, hit the subscribe button. Anyways, uh, I'm just going to sign off here. My name's Riley. This has been the True Crime Banter Podcast, and you'll be hearing from us next time. Take care.